Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Minnesota United are back and taking on Orlando City this Saturday. Tune in at 6 p.m. for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by kickoff at 6.30 p.m. Catch all the action right here on 1500 ESPN. In this portion of Mackie and Judd, presented by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware, proud sponsor of the Beard Show. Bridgewater, Keenum. Cousins, you might be sick of hearing about the Vikings quarterback situation, but we're still talking about it. Let's keep beating it into the ground with some more reckless speculation. You know, that's the best time. There's a real lack of enthusiasm there from well, Dave's thing. Yeah. Wait, hold, hold on a second. Let's play this one, maybe. Reckless speculation. Yeah, I prefer that one. You like this? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. How's all, that? all those really get me more pumped to you're tired of hearing about it. Dave, I know Dave's not here. Yeah, I was going to say you're not I talking kn- to Dave. I know he's listening Dave's online. Not li- no, no, he's not. Yes, he is. I can safely say he's not. Uh, I mean, this is the most important decision that the general manager will ever make. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the future of the Vikings franchise on the line here, so I... I mean, it's, you know, and that is why kind we, of a big deal. And that is why we are going to spend the next hour in a Vikings roundtable. Matthew Collar in for Phil today. And uh, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, does a great job covering the Vikings for them. Check out her work also in for the hour. And, and Courtney, to piggyback off what Collar just said, I understand that there are probably people that are tired of this topic. Mm-hmm. But when you have a 13-3 and team, when you have a team that is was on the precipice of the Super Bowl and certainly is expected to go back, and they don't have a quarterback, to me, that is about as intriguing as, as a topic can possibly get because there's so many variables here. There's so many guesses. There's potentially the, the head coach not agreeing with the GM on how they're going, going to end up here if it is Kirk Cousins. I keep coming back to this as one of the most interesting decisions in this town, and it's probably the most important position Certainly in football and all of sports. Absolutely. And I, th- I love this talker. I-, I think it's fun. I mean, it gives us something to talk about in a time where, you know, if you're covering certain teams, free agency isn't that exciting. But as I've said all week, I mean, free agency this year runs through Minnesota. This is where it starts. And, you know, potentially with the domino effect of where Kirk Cousins signs, this could be where it ends. So I think it's awesome. I think it's, you know, you can't talk about it enough because, as you said, this is the most important position in all of sports. Um, and with all eyes on Kirk Cousins and what potentially may or may not happen with the Vikings, I think that this sets a number of chain of events into effect. 
I'm sitting here today feeling like Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, aren't you? I, mean, I do. Just, just as we get more <laughs> buzz and more reports, there are far more saying, hey, everybody else is just seeing if Minnesota's going to sign him or they all think that the Vikings are going to sign him and then maybe they have a chance. And less reports coming out saying, oh, yeah, it's the Jets or, oh, yeah, it's the Broncos. It seems like if the Vikings want to do it, that they're going to get in a room before it starts and decide, do we want him or do we not want him? And if they say we do, then he's here. It's just amazing. You think about two weeks ago today, that report came out that the Jets were willing to do, quote, unquote, whatever it takes. I love that um, report. And that's upwards of $60 million guaranteed. We're hearing that figure. We're hearing even more potentially. And you can break down all the cap situation scenarios for all of these teams that are available um, and, and wanting you know, to, to back up the Brinks truck, essentially, for Kirk Cousins. But two weeks later, even a week later, last week, that's, that was starting to die down and Minnesota was stored, starting to trend upwards. I mean, it's such a unique situation just with the news cycle mm-hmm. and how all of these reports come out. And, you know, obviously, Rick Spielman told us at the Combine that there has been no decision made, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, Certainly not trending towards a decision being made very soon. I mean, it's it's a cool time, too, because the, the, the franchise tag window closes tomorrow at 3 p.m., so I think that's pretty telling. Does the transition day a tag close at that time as well? I think all of it closes, okay. if I'm correct, at March 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Okay. So that could be pretty telling if in the next, I don't know, 28-ish hours, if something doesn't happen with putting a franchise tag on Case Keenum, is that telling? I'm not. I'm not necessarily in the in the camp that it means he's completely done here in Minnesota. If something does not happen by tomorrow, I think that the loser of the Kirk Cousins uh, sweepstakes ends up with Case Keenum. Like that's your that's your door prize. If you don't win Kirk Cousins, then you get Case Keenum. And the the way that I've been looking at this, the more that I watch Kirk Cousins, the more I look at his numbers, the more I talk to people about him, that. The difference between him and Case Keenum and what Case was last year isn't much. And he's very similar in his profile to Andy Dalton, which I think when I say those things, people go, no, it can't be. But then when you look at the numbers for what Dalton was for a couple of years when Cincinnati peaked, when you look at what Case Keenum did last year, how he succeeded with a great system and a good supporting cast, All those things and the skill sets of these guys, none of them were top draft picks. None of them have the elite arms, the elite accuracy, any of those things. And I think when you put it through that filter, it gives you much more hesitation on Kirk Cousins than maybe maybe you have when you just pull up his fantasy stats and go, oh, they're pretty darn good. But a closer look, I think, would give people some pause. I agree. And I think that you just look big picture at it, you see... Consistency over the last three years, you know, few couple four thousand passing yard seasons, and you see a guy that the lame excuse here that oh well he had nobody around him in Washington. I mean, look what this could have become. Um, I think there are a lot of variables here in order to determine is he that much better of a quarterback than Case Keenum. Um, the vibe that you get, I mean, in in talking to people at the combine is that the Vikings do believe mm-hmm. he is a better quarterback mm-hmm. and a more consistent quarterback and a higher ceiling quarterback or at least than Case Rick Keenum. Do, or at least Rick does. Like I, I, yeah. t- I took the I took the combine comments to to mean I think Rick is sold on this one, and I think Zim is like yeah I don't know if I'm sold or not. I mean, he's afraid it's going to destroy what could potentially happen for his defense. Yeah. And when you're talking about his guys, his stand on a table. What, what did he What did he call it the other day? 
stand on a table when I asked him that question yeah, about stand on a table. Stand on a table. You guys, you you you. I guess pump your fist on the table for. He doesn't want to see any of that go away by overpaying for a quarterback. But I think that this is going to get into a bidding sweepstakes. And as you mentioned, with the loser of this situation gets Case Keenum, I could very easily see that being the Jets. That seems like the way it's going to pan out. So where do you both draw the the line? If it if the report from the past few days is true, and he and he is indeed going to go after three years, ninety million dollars, all guaranteed. Do you guys draw the line at that? Do you pay that? Because I mean, that is that is, I believe, what would be an unprecedented short-term contract guaranteed in a league where they work very hard to guarantee as little as possible. Ordinarily, that is a huge payday. I mean, that's a superstar-like payday, right? There. I, I stand by what I said on Saturday, where you know, the figure I'd been hearing was about thirty uh, for Cousins, and that's what's going to keep you competitive. And thirty keep you- per. 30 per. Okay. But as far as guaranteed money, I mean, I think that you are willing to take less of that in a place where you can win now, which is what he said during the Super Bowl week radio row. It's what he wants to do. And this is you, you give him the keys to an offense that, you know, plug and play. He can get right in there and, and they can win right now. And you don't need a top, you know, whether, whether you argue he's a top 10 or top 15 quarterback, that's all you need with this defense and how good this defense is to get back to the NFC championship and hopefully take one more step towards the Super Bowl. But, you know, financially, can they do it now? Yeah. It's just going to cause some headaches, I think, with cap planning for the future. Yeah, that's where I get a little bit hesitant, too. Not just how good is he really, but the economics question of, is he worth losing out on other free agents for? Because, yes... They can keep everyone they want. They can keep your players in-house that have contracts coming up. But can they go out and make that extra signing once you add $30 million on your cap? And I think probably not. And that's where it's it's tough because I think if you have a quarterback of Kirk Cousins' caliber, you have to have a team that is super stacked to actually beat Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, any of those great quarterbacks who are going to be in that conversation. And you can't necessarily stack up your roster and add a three-technique defensive tackle who's awesome or a a left guard who's awesome or something like that in the free agent market if you have that quarterback. And and that's where it gets difficult for me to see them getting over the hump because they have Kirk Cousins, even though I think that's what Rick Spielman is thinking is all we need is someone just a little better than Case Keenum and we're there. But I don't know if it necessarily works that way. Well, I think the thing that is very telling about just the way that the Vikings feel with this whole scenario um, already taking taking a hit against uh, some of their plans for guys you're trying to bring back. I mean, Jeremiah Searle is a restricted free agent this year, and I spoke with his agent on Friday, and the Vikings elected not to, um, you know, pick up his restricted free agent tender, $2.9 million, um, you know, second-round tender. And mm-hmm. I do believe that that is... A cautionary thing because of the just the fear about trying to make all of this work financially. And yes, that's that'd be a lot for a reserve guy, but he is such a versatile piece. Where else do we start seeing those other dominoes fall to where financially they might be trying to you know restructure deals and and create more wiggle room because they are so fearful right. that of just how expensive this could get. 
How much do you think, too, that Rick and Mike aren't on the same page here? Because that was, it was very intriguing to me. Now, Rick is not going to tell you what day of the week it is when he talks. And we just know that. I mean, he's not going to. It can be gorgeous outside, and Rick will say, well, the weather, I mean, we're not quite sure about it today. Uh, but for Mike to get up there and be that candid in both, when he talked to you guys separately and then at the podium, I thought was really interesting because Zimmer doesn't like to lie. I think in season he certainly will if he feels that he has to. But in this case, I thought he was extremely candid. And my takeaway was this is definitely a guy who has some severe trepidation about this contract. And I think you're right, Courtney. I think it goes to the defense. But I think it also goes to I just don't know if he thinks Cousins is that guy. Or that much better than what right. they had last year. Or or Teddy. I mean, there's something at work in his mind here. There's no question, I, I think. And I got that vibe from a lot of people. You're put when you were putting out these stories about, you know, if I don't make the if I don't make the right call, we're you know we'll probably be fired. And you know, I think obviously he says that in jest, and he was a really rare form of himself uh, yeah. at the combine. I really liked seeing that. I think it's. Don't get used to it, but it's it was very great. authentic. I know. Um, you know, I tried. To, I go back to thinking about the Sam Bradford situation throughout the year, and you know, those comments that we would get there. It's pales in comparison to how honest and open he was and just, you know, brutally um, honest with each of the quarterbacks that he has. But I don't get the vibe, you know, from those comments that, oh, that means that Teddy is the guy that he wants to start a quarterback. I mean, he pointed out the flaws of just... I think I want to see him more in game action. I mean, yeah, you could see him in practice. And as Rick let us know, they know what he looks like. We don't. We don't know how to evaluate him, but they do. Right. Um, having seen him so much, but I didn't get the vibe one way or the other that Mike has his mind made up on who he wants at quarterback, at least publicly speaking, just from those comments. Yeah. I still feel like he wants Teddy Bridgewater, and in his podium, I don't know if this was an intentional thing he said or if it just kind of came out. Just like how Sam Bradford's degenerative knee just kind of slipped out. He was just like, oh, guys, it's degenerative. That was the greatest of all time. Like, oh, it's like, it we, we'd only been asking you that for the last like, <laughs> right. 20 weeks right. of the year. What's yeah. wrong with him? And then for whatever reason, he just sort of stopped and went like, right, come on, guys, it's degenerative. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah he was we, skiing, too. Yeah, like. we, we knew that just like you did. What? Um, and, but the same thing when he said about Teddy Bridgewater, I you know hope that it's with me when he was mm-hmm. referring to, I hope he becomes a starter again, and I hope it's with me. I think that there is going to be some headbutting in that room, and Rick Spielman probably does win out, and Kirk Cousins is probably the quarterback of the team. Uh, but I also think that if Teddy Bridgewater goes to Arizona mm-hmm. and goes to the playoffs and has a great season oh. or something, Mike Zimmer is going to be driven up the wall by this. Uh, there's another part of this uh, entire formula that I think about a lot, which is we just assume that they're going to have like the number one defense again. And we just assume that all these things are going to be great again. But when it came to last year, I thought many things came together to go 13 and three beyond just what case Keenum did, but things that you can't always count on like the team being really lucky with injuries on the defensive side. And I wonder how much better Kirk Cousins will actually have to be than Keenum was last year to overcome some regression there. Because I think you could slide back a little bit. Let's actually come back and discuss that next. More Vikings Roundtable. Collar, Cronin, Zolgat. This portion of Mackie and Judd brought to you, sponsored by Walgreens. Walgreens is here for all your diabetes needs. Stop by today, consult with your pharmacist, and get trusted advice and tips about your diabetes medication and testing supplies. You are never- 
And Mackie and Judd today is actually uh, Zolgat and Matthew Collar. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, covers the Vikings and does uh, great work there. Check it out. Also joining us for an hour of Viking roundtable discussion. Okay, Collar, uh, get to your point that, that you had going into the break about the, the Vikings' fortunes that they're coming off of in 2017 and the uh, lack of certainty that that will translate to next season. So I guess what it really comes down to, Courtney, is just how good – do we think that the Vikings, the rest of the team, is going to be around Kirk Cousins? Last year, it seemed everything fell into place. And if he is their only major signing, I mean, maybe they tack on a nickel corner or something like that, which could help, or maybe they can find the money to throw in a, a guard that they signed, something like that. But it's going to limit how much you could stack up this roster. So do we think that the roster is just plug in a quarterback and you're in the Super Bowl? Is that the way they see it, or what? Because... I think that some people on defense will probably get hurt next year, unlike last year where they had the whole defense healthy the entire season. And, I mean, you still need that depth at the on the interior. You need to find a defensive tackle if you're not going to you know, re-sign Shamar Steffen mm-hmm. and uh, with Tom Johnson. So, I mean, there's those big question marks right there. And I think also the one thing that we kind of forget within all of this is, you know, they've been giving out extensions a year ahead of time. That kind of limits what they can do with, you know, I would think the first one you'd resign would be Anthony Barr. At least Mike, at least Mike Zimmer would probably be the standing on the table, considering that's yes. one of the guys he mentioned that oh, yes. that would be one of your first priorities. Mm-hmm. Get that done now. I don't know if you can. Um, the, the offensive line needs help. Well, as you mentioned, you know, everything that fell into place, everything that fell out of place and fell apart. Mm started with the offensive line there week 14 and then kind of was that trickle down effect with Easton getting the having the broken ankle against the Packers and then Pat Elfline uh got hurt in Philadelphia and I mean the, the line did not block well at all in the postseason that has to be your top priority in the draft which is why so many mocks have them taking an offensive lineman most most have them taking a tackle at 30 but I don't know if that makes you Super Bowl ready, having somebody that, you know, depending upon where Mike Remmers plays next mm-hmm. year, somebody you have to put in at right tackle as a rookie. I'm not so sure that that's, you know, as seamless as it could sound on paper. What do we think Zimmer wants? Because, I mean, from what he said during the course of this season, I'm definitely not thinking Case. No. I, I don't think I don't, he, No. So does he, do we think he wants Teddy back? Which, which they certainly could do. Uh, the Cousins thing... I don't sense that he doesn't want him. I just sense he doesn't want to pay the going price. So if he was to get his wish, if he could go to Rick today and say, Rick, this is what we're going to do, what do we think that he would do? I think he would have Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater, or Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford, or Teddy Bridgewater and even Case Keenum. I think he's afraid of Case Keenum regressing. And I think he loved Sam Bradford, that that relationship really grew last offseason, but he's afraid of everybody's knees. Uh, but I think whatever combination that they had, I think that he wants that to include Bridgewater. But even part of this is, let's just say that things swing the other way completely. Right now, I think it's all Vikings and Cousins. Let's say within the next week, it swings to Cousins going to Arizona or Denver. And then... Can you convince Teddy to come back? Because you still have to convince him. He's an unrestricted free agent, and he might want to go play for Miami or some other team that's looking for a quarterback. But I I think that if it's up to Mike Zimmer, that's who he wants to be his guy. I think he also is worried, too, how much better is Kirk Cousins than Case Keenum. I mean, you take a look at a lot of his throws the last few years and some of those interceptions that you just cringe at. And for a defensive-minded guy like Mike, 
you know, that's the reason he likes Teddy Bridgewater so much. He doesn't take the type of risks. Um, some of these, what did he call them? Wild, you know, there's a word that he used. I can't remember now. It's been uh, so got long. Overexcited. Overexcited. I think he said, yeah. I think, he, I think you <laughs> might see some of that with Kirk Cousins. Oh, wow. Um, and I mean, the mobility is there for sure. That's not the issue, but I think that's why he was so drawn to Teddy Bridgewater because Teddy would take the sack instead of, throw up a, you know, a crazy throw and get, like, cased against the Rams. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think he was as big of a risk taker in that way. But it, I just think he's concerned that this is, you know, might be too good to be true. I mean, are we t- we're talking about uh, Kirk Cousins right. right now on the free agent market like he's a top five quarterback. And I just don't, it's not mm-hmm. the case. I mean, that's... But we are. We are. You're and right. I think that that's why it's kind of like, wait, slow your roll here. Like, do we have a top 10 or top 15 quarterback? I mean, we're sure he's in that category, but where does he fall? I just don't think that, you know, everybody's going all chips in on Cousins. And I think Mike's playing like, wait a second. Like, how, really? Is it is? are you guys acting like he's the next, like he's the Messiah or something? I don't know if he's that. Do the quarterbacks in this class play any role in this conversation? Maybe. I mean, Spielman hinted at it the other day that, you know, all options are on the table. I don't think that I believe that. Can he even Um, afford to go up and get an option, though? Unless Jackson falls to you at 31 or 30 30. or whatever they are I've got another report just now, by the way, on Kirk Cousins. Breaking news? Do we have some sort of... Should I find the breaking news sound of it? You could just sing it if you want. No, no, no. Oh, there it is. Jonathan Harrison, ladies and gentlemen. Great job, Jonathan. Um, See, you shouldn't have been traded to Tampa. You're doing a heck of a job today. Appreciate that. Bleacher Report, Matt Miller, who's pretty oh, yeah. dialed in Matt at Miller. the uh, NFL Combine. The do He reports that <laughs> the decision for Kirk Cousins is down to the Vikings and the New York Jets. Now, there was a report last night that Denver is still in it. But it sounds like the Jets are willing to go the most bananas with the cash. Well, I mean, that's what we heard two weeks ago. Well, and it doesn't sound like it's changed all that much. Denver would have to cut a lot of salary. The, they're not, they don't, they have, don't a have a lot. They don't have a lot of cap space. No, that's they a don't. problem. They're like 23, right? Yeah, somewhere think, around yeah, there. Yeah, it's not that much. So, I, sorry, I interrupted your answer with breaking news about this class. There's five quarterbacks who deserve to be in the first round, which... Kind of makes it intriguing. Last year, none of us saw it coming that the Kansas City Chiefs would move up into the middle of the first round to take Patrick Mahomes. They moved from 27 all the way up by dealing a their pick, a first the next year, and the third round pick. Um, I don't see that as really realistic for the Vikings, but it's kind of an intriguing, you never know type of scenario, especially if they were to lose out on Kirk Cousins to the Jets. Then you might look at your options and say, hey, maybe we bring back Bridgewater and draft Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, whoever it might be. I think those two are your better bets for falling down. If they, I mean, mm-hmm. depending upon where and when they could draft up to get him. Um, I, I mean, I think you have to draft. you got, got to go higher than 30. I don't think either of them. Agreed. Maybe. But, um, I mean, I just don't think they'd be in, the play, in play for anybody like Josh Allen, who I think was the most impressive quarterback from... You know, from the weekend in Indianapolis. But if you're talking about long term options, aren't you kind of starting back off at square one here for something that's yes. an untapped potential? Third, and this is yes. this is Christian Ponder all over again. Like, well, I think that you run into that risk. And do you have a head coach who really wants to get a rookie quarterback in and train him and get him to play that quickly? And I think with the circumstances that they have now with John DiFilippo as their offensive coordinator, there probably isn't anybody better um, and kept retaining, making it a point 
uh, at the in speaking to us at the combine about why he wanted to keep Kevin Stefanski here. I think you have a good system in place for developing anybody, but I don't know if that patience is going to be there from Zimmer's end about and potentially that this could be a move that sets you back a little bit. I, th- I think there is a good argument though for looking at that as a scenario because. If you were to bring back, let's say bring back Bridgewater or Bradford on like $10 million or something, and then you look at this draft class and go, man, five good guys. Let's say it gets to the 10th pick right before Miami. Miami's going to take somebody, probably Baker Mayfield. So let's say it's right before that. You go, ah, they're willing to trade up Bradford and Lamar Jackson, Bradford and Mayfield, Bradford and Rosen. And, and there is precedent for a quarterback coming into a great situation and leading a team to being very relevant right away, which is Dak Prescott just a couple years ago. I mean, he steps into an amazing setup, similar to what they have here. A great offensive line, but Ezekiel Elliott, obviously a great player, decent enough wide receivers. All that fell apart for Prescott this year, but he stepped in as a rookie and went 13-3. and And they were right there. He led a comeback. It's just that Aaron Rodgers, Aaron rodgers him at the end. But he showed that maturity and adapted quickly. I think these college offenses are reflecting NFL offenses so much more that as long as the guy can handle the stage, if he's got the right setup, it's not crazy if that's the most talented person as long as you have someone else there who's your veteran quarterback that you're supposed to play. Am I right in saying this? Zimmer is driven nuts by by QBs. I think he loves Teddy. <laughs> yeah. But I, I sense Mike Tice used to be this way about kickers. Like he couldn't stand them. I sense when it comes to quarterbacks, Zim knows he needs a good one, but they seem to drive him crazy. Like Case drove him crazy. Yeah. And and everything he said about Case, even complimentary, was he's driving me nuts. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a point to what he said this past this past week um, where he kind of went through and just picked apart everybody. And (laughs) there's a reason that it took, you know, this, this, this stretch where, you know, they've won eight straight games and he still won't name him the starter. Yeah, like, like what is it going to take? I well, mean, he confirmed that he didn't, he wasn't sold on Keenum until I think after the Falcons game. Uh, yeah, and I think that that it was, was, that was kind of the point that we realized it too. Yeah, because of what you do, you go down into Atlanta against that team, against that defense. But you're in the midst of that a was thir- really your defense that won that game. Yeah, right? and you're in the midst of a thirteen and three season at that point, and most coaches would have said, "This is great, I found my guy." And Zimmer says stuff like, yeah, he's got big you-know-whats, or <laughs> or he's got a horseshoe. Everything he said was basically a backwards compliment of, I don't think this lasts. Uh-huh. I think they drive him nuts. And I think he's trying. He desperately wants to find one, but I but beyond Teddy, I think every one of them, he says to himself, there's just so many faults with this guy. Um, and Cousins we, is going to get paid. Are we up against the break? Or yes. Okay, all right. So then next, when we come back, I want to ask you, what else... From the combine, because a couple of things stuck out to me that if the Vikings don't do anything wild and trade up, that they might have some really good options where they pick. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Zolgad, Collar, um, Mackie out today, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, who was just at the Combine, along with uh, Collar in Indianapolis this past week, joining us for a Vikings roundtable discussion. Courtney, off-air, you brought up the name of Nick Foles. I did. What are your thoughts on, and I think I, ju- I just saw a tweet report that uh, Philadelphia actually might have been offered a second-round pick at the Combine for him. Your thoughts on Nick Foles as a potential option and p- perhaps sort of a stopgap 
but for the Vikings. Well, I put something out right after the Super Bowl that just lit up my mention. Just toxicity as an option. <laughs> this is something that you, the guy just won a I Super Bowl. I love that word, by the way. Which one? Toxicity. I mean, that's... That was awesome. That's that's reality oh, in my life. Um, no, but I mean, I think it's an option, but I don't know if you're the Vikings why, A, you'd want to trade another first-round pick away. Did we not... Like, did they not learn their lesson essentially for you know what what just happened with Sam Bradford and and, and doing all of that to to where we are at right now? Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not sold on it. I think that um, given how conservative this team is with, with you know with what we were just talking about with Mike Zimmer and quarterbacks, I'm not so sure that you know talk about sample size. You only have like really two great years. Uh, you know, one and I mean he didn't even play that much this past year except for the Super Bowl, but. Um, I'm not so I'm not sure I'm sold on it, but it is an option out there if these other ones don't fall through. If I were the Eagles and I thought Foles was pretty good, I wouldn't trade him to the Vikings. If I thought he was just okay, then I might. <laughs> Which is kind of like Sam Bradford, who I think they thought was just okay, and then they decided they wanted to turn over to Wentz, so they were like, sure, yeah, we'll trade you him because he's probably not going to beat us in the Super Bowl. Where Foles just won the Super Bowl, so that might influence it. Uh, but now what this sort of formula is in my head is Kirk Cousins for $30 million or Nick Foles for $7 million cap hit this year and a second-round pick or maybe a conditional second-round pick that becomes a first if you go mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, maybe. I mean, then that becomes intriguing because I think that Foles and Cousins probably don't have that big of a gap between them for talent. And if you sign him and it's a $7 million deal... Sheldon Richardson, what's up? Josh Sitton, Andrew Norwell, like there's guys where you could this team has a lot of cap money where you could spend like crazy and give this guy the same situation. Trey Burton. That Trey Burton is a great example of a tight end who is really talented, would be a great fit in Minnesota, but he's gonna have a lot of interest. You could really stack this roster up if you didn't spend that much money on a quarterback. Do you like that, Courtney? That potential idea? I think it's I think it's a realistic thought. I just I I'm still on thinking that this is all cousins. I mean, the stuff about Foles, and I know he was asked. I, I believe Howie Rosen was asked about just the the possibility of a trade in place. And I think given their cap situation, they have to shop all options. I mean, mm-hmm. they're very they don't have any space at all. So you know. And what they released Vinnie Curry last night, so you start to see the chips come into come into play here, and in, in them trying to get back some of that money. But you know, I, I agree with Matt with what he said in, in terms of you know you do have more money to spend here and go after big pieces in free agency, and you just saw the guy win a Super Bowl. That's why I think the call has to be made if Cousins, if Cousins, that's the big thing here, does not you know if it's not going to pan out, and you kind of have an idea in a week or so. So the and you you would have the case to be made that uh, Foles' interaction with the current Vikings offensive coordinator yeah. could make a difference there. The one thing I am curious about though is we don't know if, if Wentz is going to be back for the start of the season for Philadelphia, right? So the one thing they might say is we can't trade this guy until we're sure of Carson's status because I don't think that you want to. And I know they've been talking up their third string kid that got in against the Vikings at the end, but. I can't believe that if you're Philadelphia coming off the season that they were, that you're going to start the year with the third string quarterback from 2017, right? So that would be, that would be the one thing to me is 
is to hold up and make sure, because Wentz, in retrospect, now tore the ACL and another uh, ligament, correct? Another CL, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> a CL. So Any kind of CL, That's really. a problem there. Uh, what, what did we learn from uh, from the combine that goes above and beyond the, the uh, great quarterback speculation that's going to continue for another week or so? Some pretty good offensive linemen in this class. A lot of really good guards. Um, and I, that's kind of what you expect, because the tackle spots and these guys, the way they're coming out of college, they come out... Just pretty raw in their projects. Um, I think there were some guards that, you know, if Minnesota wants to go that route at 30, that that might be the better way to go, even though the need is still there at your bookend spot at right tackle. Uh, the guards definitely stood way out. I, I agree. The names to watch for me are Will Hernandez, who's from UTEP, and he is a monster. I mean, he's 340 pounds, and the dude moves. Mm-hmm. He's like Richie Incognito is kind of his body shape, and he's nasty, and he's smart. And When you're a guard, though, you don't get picked in the top very often. It's just not the biggest high-priority uh, position, but it is for the Vikings going into this. Isaiah Wynn is another guy mm-hmm. who I looked at a little bit of him from last year. Kind of a really technically sound guy, which is not always the case. It's a, it can be a lot of, oh, this guy's got great tools or whatever. Some of these guards are technically sound coming out, and they are ready to step in and play. And I think if you're staying at 30, those are the guys that would really intrigue you. And the other one for me is Connor Williams, who's the tackle from Texas. Mm-hmm. He seems like a really competitive type of guy and uh, uh, somebody who had some injuries and dropped a little bit in his stock. But in his junior year, he was going to be the number one tackle coming out. So he kind of intrigues me as well as a guy who could be available toward the end of the first. I think if they want to fill that need at guard and keep Remmers at tackle, then they can do that in the draft. They don't have to spend big in free agency. Yeah, and I think it was unfortunate with Billy Price and the torn pack. I mean, you don't get to see much there. And, you know, it's kind of like I had a list of guys going into last week that, you know, the ones you want to watch. And it's kind of like, okay, well, where are we checking now? I mean, the... Um, the Maurice Hurst thing. Now he has a heart problem. So, okay, he's probably off the board. Right, that's another yeah. guy, too, um, that could have been interesting. For yeah, I, I think Colton Miller was such an intriguing prospect going into this because the last few weeks leading into the combine, he um, his stock was rising, but he's been pretty up and down. Uh, he was a pretty up and down performance in Indianapolis, and I just thought that, you know, for as much pub as he was getting, he might actually, I mean, he was projected in some drafts as a top 15 pick that maybe he would fall to the Vikings there at... Um, you know, at 30, but he only played left tackle one year. Uh, this past year at UCLA, I mean, he's been a right tackle before, but I still think that's a project guy that you're putting a lot of, you know, putting a lot of risk into. After his great combine to tackles, even if they're bad, they get taken high yeah. just because they're a really high priority. Yeah. And yes. so for him to run what he did and all that, I feel the broad like. broad jump too. Yeah, I mean, right. His profile was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So even if on tape there's some things you're concerned about, mm-hmm. that uh, when it comes to somebody putting up those type of numbers that reflect what great tackles have, mm-hmm. he's probably going to get taken too high. So I agree with you, Courtney, that guard, and then I think defensive tackle does become pretty interesting for positions, but those are far and away one and two, and then everything else is like, I'd really be surprised. They could take, they need to get a running back late second round, early third round, find a way to do that. Because I think there's this is a running back, this is a, a group where there's so many good running backs this year. And I think you can wait until third round to get one, but there might be some good ones you want to sneak back in in the second round to get. And they can block and catch passes too? You could find a Jarek McKinnon type but here. That's what you got to do, right? Because yep. he's gone. Oh, no doubt. I really, I, I just can't see it. I mean, if you want the role that you said you want, 
uh, after the. Which, by the way, I think it's too much for him. I think he's in the perfect role here right maybe now. Maybe not. Maybe not in in New York. If he can be part of a tandem there, okay. I, 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 like with n- the Giants with yes. Shermer. Okay, yes. I, I think okay. they're going to pick Barkley. Don't you think? Don't you think the Giants will pick Saquon Barkley and then maybe sign McKinnon or something? Potentially, but I also think they're still on the quarterback train. Yeah, there was. A, Which I, think I mean, they have to who be. knows? There was a report that they were fading on picking a quarterback there. I think that they should. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're smart, you pick a quarterback there, but they might not because NFL. Like they it's do things just like weird. that. Uh, speaking of the draft, when we come back. Um, if you didn't catch it earlier, just want to read from Peter King's article about Josh Rosen to tell you everything you need to know about the NFL's thinking and the draft process. This portion of Mackie and Judd brought to you by It's Just Lunch. And today, actually, it is Zolgat and Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, joining us for the hour uh, to talk Vikings. And uh, Collar, why don't you uh, sh- share it with the listeners who missed this in the first hour from Peter King's uh, Monday Morning Quarterback column, I believe. Just the thought process when it comes to quarterbacks from uh, National Football League executives. Okay, let me uh, call this up because my iPad was uh, slowing down a little bit. Okay, Darn so technology. this I know this Should've comes printed it out like I do. Th- yeah, that's right. Uh, this comes from today. Peter King. His he is reporting what he's heard. He later writes that he isn't buying any of this. Okay, but mm-hmm. this is he says this is what I was led to believe listening to the NFL grapevine. He says, number one, about Josh Rosen, football isn't important to him because he's a rich kid whose mom is the great-great-granddaughter of the founding of Penn's prestigious Wharton School of Business and whose dad is a renowned spinal surgeon and who once put a hot tub in his college bedroom. <laughs> Good Ri- for him. He, and he, he, rich <laughs> kids can't have the same drive as lower middle-class kids, which is Totally false, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, if you pay attention at all to where all of these quarterbacks come from. By the age of 12, they've got quarterback gurus they're working with. Okay, So a lot of them often succeed and are put in this position because of socioeconomic reasons, because the lower middle class kid cannot afford the quarterback guru and ends up being told he should be a wide receiver, for example. Number two from uh, Peter King. On Josh Rosen, he's a crappy leader. He questions authority and his teammates roll their eyes at him. Number three, he's too smart for his own good. He's anti-Trump, into politics, and cares about the planet. (laughs) Quarterbacks need to be myopic, football only, is what he's heard about Josh Rosen. And boy, football, just come along with us here into 2018. The, the thing what I like, <laughs> the thing I like the most oh. that was not mentioned in that, um, there was somebody in Arizona radio that just went on a tangent. I saw it on my Twitter feed the other day, just it's about him, how him being an atheist, oh. um, apparently has some sort of effect on if he's going to be a good quarterback. Okay, so, so he, you'd much prefer the guy pretend to care about God, which I think a lot of athletes do. But, but anyway, no, I mean it's it's a good point and. <laughs> Um, you know, I think there's been times his sexuality was brought into it. I mean, there's this guy has been under the microscope very unfairly. Um, and I mean, there's there's so many ways you can go with this. Probably half the stuff you can't say on air, but um, it's just we what what prototype do we want out of our quarterbacks? Like, if you take a look at our quarterbacks throughout the NFL, I mean, you have Tom Brady 
where the Trump support was there. Um, and then you have other quarterbacks who are so far opposite. So why is this guy being pegged to have but, to be the conservative prototype? Don't you too think that this is insight, though, into how much uh, GMs and executives try to drill down? And this is why they're making their lives so much tougher than it should be, right? Like they, they are, Rick is so convinced we have 37 psychiatrists and psychoanalysis things that we do. I think you ultimately make your job tougher because you're trying so hard that you're going to end up overthinking these things. The Rosen thing to me is a classic. If you're really weighing all these things, you're paralyzing yourself. You're making it impossible because then if you look for faults in people, guess what you're going to do? You can find any fault you want, right? So can the kid play quarterback? Can he lead? Those are my first two questions. I agree. Uh, you know, it's it's just, it's not that tough. And these guys make it so tough. And they're so proud that they make it tough. We brought in <laughs> yeah, 74 yeah. doctors on Wednesday in Indianapolis <laughs> to poke and prod this guy. And we did brain surgery. And we got inside his brain. And we found out that he likes politics. And therefore, we will never take him. Uh, I think it's uh, the most funny is that he's too smart for his own good. Like, yeah. this, is, this is the most complicated game, right? I mean, this is just... You you memorizing so many different things, and you have to be able to operate uh, a lot of different things at once, and make changes, and see things, and make reads, and everything else. You've got to study. That's what all the players talk about all the time, right? They talk about if you when you go from college to the NFL, you have to study. You have to study the the tape, the other team, and so this guy's got this uh, inquisitive mind where he's you know wants to learn about a lot of different things and wants to understand the world better, and he's a really smart guy, and that is a bad thing. <laughs> like, oh, oh, wait a minute! They want everybody a, to be AJ McCarron. Thing? They want people to be robots, and I don't understand why. I, I mean, think, sorry, I think that the like the robot quarterback can be okay. Like the robot quarterback can be like Sam Bradford. Like, make the throws you're supposed to make, and that's like the top end of the robo quarterback. I think the top end of the non-robo quarterback is much higher than that. It's just, I, I think that what frustrates me, though, is that they're wrong so much that wouldn't you think that, that these evaluators would go back and say, what are we doing wrong? Like, why don't we, why can't we get this right? Because, as I told Collar before, you know, the Christian Ponder pick should have taught the Vikings a ton. Really smart guy, nowhere close to an alpha, and if you put him on the field late in, in a game, Courtney, he was pretty much lost. But yet you spent all this time dissecting him and couldn't come to that conclusion. So your your process is screwed up here. Well, I think it's a societal thing within the NFL that, I mean, there should be few things you look at. Measurables, but even then we see that you can get by by not being 6'5". Off the field stuff. Have you have you been in a lot of trouble? I think that that's a fair question. Mm-hmm. Um, but leadership style. I mean, can he lead? Can he go out there in the fourth quarter? Take a look at his fourth quarter comebacks. Find things. Find tangible things. Don't like it. Just seems like there's too much speculation about character here. And yeah, I tend to think that they probably are good judges of character. But there's always these guys who slip through the cracks. And why? Why? Put a stop on this guy before you even get to know who he really is, just because you're going through, you know, all of these IQ tests and and having all these medical evaluations of him at the combine from an interview. He's probably pretty nervous uh, to begin with. And I just don't think you learn all that much about what makes somebody tick right there in, you know, a doctor's a doctor's office in Indianapolis. It it reminds me a lot of the hockey uh, people who want 
the guy who just plays hard and he's gritty and everything else. And they want him over the guy who's creative and usually the and, and skilled and all that stuff. And that thinking has changed quite a bit. Uh, Courtney, what's your what's your five? How do you got them? The quarterbacks? Because I mean, this is to me like. Super fascinating how they come off the board. You could make an argument for every single one being quarterback one and every single one being quarterback five. Think, as I said, Allen, I think, is number one. Is that fair? I mean, he had a monster day. I think he helped his his stock a lot. Yep. Mm -hmm. Say, Allen's number one. Mm -hmm. Darnold, number two. Um, Kind of torn here on the next one. Probably. Probably Mason Rudolph. Really? So I've got, I've got Allen. What was my number two? Darnold. Darnold. Mason Rudolph. Rosen. So that that's high, that's a little high on on Rudolph. Yes. Um, where does Lamar Jackson fit in? Probably six. I think he's right really? outside, right okay. outside the top five. Yeah, I mean, you could see I I left uh, Rudolph out there, but I I mean I I could see any order with even those six having six guys go in the first round, which is really unique and fascinating and i still think that if the vikings don't end up with cousins that that becomes a conversation that we're having coming to the draft what about resign teddy keep bradford draft a quarterback it's i like it it's an option one, uh, one of the not, many it's not that expect i mean i would think that if you get bradford back at the right price you're not talking about breaking the bank because the bridgewater contract let's say is a two-year you make good deal and if you make good after two years, we're obviously going to keep you at a you know five-year contract. Can I tell you one reason to root against Kirk Cousins as your quarterback is that if you sign Kirk Cousins on March 14th, then this is all over. All this fun, all this conversation is over. You can't be some people on Twitter will be very happy about that, man. Well, now you Collar. can figure out how the rest of the team comes together after that. We he, can spend the next month until OTAs. And the NFL um, is never done. The NFL is never done. No, it's, it's a year-round the most, schedule. It's the most genius league of all time. They play 16 games, and they keep us on the hook for 12 months. It's brilliant. Courtney, thanks much. Uh, great stuff. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, Vikings reporter. Check out her stuff. Uh, hour to go here. Mackie and Judd. Matthew Collar in for Philip today.